starting to feel buff again. You know, I can do those pulley exercises, little sissy, sissy things, you know, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, but anyway, I'm feeling good, and I thank you for all your prayers. If you want to send Entmans, Danish, and Fig Newtons, you can do that now. It's, I'm in the clear. I'm in the clear. Just kidding. <laughs> and the fast is over. It's now time for prayer and feasting, not prayer and fasting. Okay? Because i got to put some weight back on. Anyway, um, enough about me. What do you guys think about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, i got to move on. i got to move on. We have, uh, we have a really special guest uh, here this morning, and, his, and two special guests, I must say. And what can I say? Uh, first off, um, they travel the world. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of, as my friend Randy used to say, you're kind of a big deal. They're kind of a big deal. And, um, but they're so real. They're a big deal, but they're so stinking sweet, awesome, real people. And my wife and I have just had a blast uh, getting to know Pastor John and Helen Burns. They pastor Relate Church in uh, British Columbia. They've come all the way over from West Coast, Canada. Um, they overlook the United States from their window and see the ocean. And uh, it's just so cool to see people that, you know, because of Jesus, because we have the same bloodline, we're family. And, and we just connect so easily and so quickly. And sometimes, even though that's the case, it doesn't always happen as, as, as cool and as quickly. But it, it has for us, at least for Stacy and I, and We've just, just had a blast getting to know them. They were supposed to do a marriage retreat this weekend, and uh, they're getting ready to get on a plane, and then they hear about this epic storm, you know, maybe the, the biggest in history. I don't know what it's made now, top three or something like that, top four or five, something. And uh, they're like, do you want us to get on the plane? We're like, yeah, we'll, we'll have church still. Don't worry about it, you know. We'll dig ourselves out. But we had to uh, postpone the seminar. As you, as you guys heard, it is a relationship seminar. Pastor John's kind of corrected me on that. I've received the correction because he is uh, older than I am. Uh, and so um, it's, all, it's an all play. I really encourage you guys to come out tonight. We'll figure out how to feed everybody and make room for everybody. But don't miss it. You're going to really enjoy uh, Pastor John and Helen this morning. I, I think they're both coming up right away. Or Helen's taking over. Would you guys give it up for Pastor John and Helen Burns from Relate Church? Hey, in British Columbia, God bless them. Love you. Have fun. Do your thing. Thank you. All right, do your thing. Hello. Thank you. We are. Am I? Hello? Oh, I hear myself. I like it when she's on. <laughs> I think they named this, uh, this seminar Love Handles After Us because we both have love handles. <laughs> Perfect. Grab a hold, babe. Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> How are uh, you? We made history with all of you as we were here. John and I have never been sequestered to a hotel room for 24 hours and told, do not leave before. So, that so was... what do you want to do, hon? <laughs> we just kind of tried to, should we go for Wee. lunch now or in an hour? Or It was great. And the staff, we're all friends with the staff at the hotel. They're like our next of kin now. And uh, it was awesome. But just as you've heard already from Pastor, I just know this is such a divine connection. We feel very, um, it, it's interesting how God just sets up, and I always call it, he d divinely connects the dots of our lives. Because we're passionate about relationships and we just really trust that God is going to lead us and direct us and bring us in across the paths of those people that he wants us to do life together with. And we found family um, when we found you. So um, we are absolutely delighted to be here. I hope you all come back tonight and hang out. 
they're going to feed you for heaven's sakes. And, uh, and you've been stuck in, in your home, like you so want to get out. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. I know you're going to love the word that John brings this morning. But uh, don't miss tonight. And bring out people in your world. We're, we're okay. Like you can bring people that have never been to church before. We won't freak them out completely. So, uh, so come, because everybody needs help in their relationships. Whether we're doing great or whether we've got a long way to go, there's always hope. And ours is a story of hope. The reason we are so passionate about relationships is because of where we came from. We got married um, at a very young age. I was all of 18, and uh, I met him in high school. I kind of told my, my friend, I said, hubba, hubba. okay, you're not allowed to talk while I'm talking now because he will <laughs> distract you the entire time. <laughs> but uh, no kidding, I really actually told my sister, boy, that Johnny Burns is sure good looking. And she told somebody who told somebody and said, there's a girl in grade 10 who, who likes you. And uh, so he asked me out. And no, I, hold it. I got to fill in the blanks. Of course you do. He said, there's a girl in grade 10 that liked you. She go out, you know, I asked her out, which didn't get my attention really because I stuttered and I was afraid of girls. Never talked to a girl before. But then he said, but let me give you a, a, a clue. If you do talk to her, don't mention God or she'll talk your ear off. <laughs> Why? Well, she's one of those Christians. I had no idea what that was. So something went click on the inside. Next thing I know, I'm talking to her founder and talked her into skipping out of school with me for the afternoon. <laughs> it's my millionth time, her first. It was. Don't anybody do that. That was bad. <laughs> and don't date when you're 15. That's dumb. But uh, <laughs> I know. At some, God's grace. We are totally a picture of God's grace. Um, but the story is that we did get married when we were very young, um, coming from very different backgrounds, both families where parents loved each other and have stayed committed. Both of us have lost a parent. But uh, they were married for 50-plus years and did beautifully in life. And yet we found ourselves, here I was, this Christian girl, believed in marriage and family and serving Jesus and loving Jesus. Yet after we got married, John got accepted into dental school. He was a dentist for a number of years before we went into pastoring the church. But um, during that time, really, life kind of blew up for us, not because there was infidelity or any abuse or violence, anything like that, but we did not know how to build a strong, healthy relationship. We made assumptions that we knew what we were doing. This is how it worked for our parents, or this is, and we just thought we knew what we were doing, only to discover that there was a lot of um, hurt, a lot of disappointments, a lot of anger, a lot of, just a lot of things. And one of the most important things that took us away from building a healthy relationship was, was we stopped going to church. We stopped building into our lives um, everything that is a healthy foundation. So you being here this morning, I mean, I see the words on the, the walls, faith and family and friends, they're essential to living a healthy, flourishing life in relationship. And it was all of those things that out of our hurt and our embarrassment that we weren't doing well, I just pulled away from the people that could have helped me the most. And then found myself, John was just about to graduate as a dentist, and we had two daughters during that time. I had Angela when I was 19, Danica when I was 20, and now I was pregnant with Ashley, our youngest. And uh, John was just about to graduate from dentistry when our marriage was really finished. And he was building a brand new practice up in northern British Columbia, a brand new start. And everything on the outside looked fantastic. Beautiful family, you know, a new home that we were building, we, and a brand new dental practice. Everything on the outside looked perfect. 
but nobody knew that as John had moved up to Williams Lake, which is in northern British Columbia, I was not going with him. I was going to stay home. I couldn't bear to leave the life and the itty-bitty security that I felt right now. I was going to stay home. I didn't want to be married anymore. I couldn't imagine walking with this pain and with this hurt anymore. And I found myself in a very, very broken place. And John was up there building and going strong and started his practice, and I stayed behind in Vancouver. But it was during that time, in a very broken place in my life one night, I kind of came to my senses. You know, there's a moment that, you know, God gives us many moments, but this moment was a moment that I thought, God, I've had life with you, and I've had life without you, and I don't want to do life without you anymore. And in a very broken place in my life, and of course, embarrassed, humiliated, ashamed before God and before others. Most people wouldn't have known everything that was going on. But I bowed my knee one night before God. I had just tucked in two little girls into bed. And, uh, and I looked at my, my situation. I was very pregnant, about to give birth in about a month. And I thought, what have I done? And that night I, I tucked them in and I walked into my bedroom. And I knelt at my bed and cried my eyes out and cried out to God. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I've had life with you, and I've had life without you, and I need you. And I remember getting, pouring out my life to God that night and feeling the love of God. You know, I kind of thought God was mad at me, and God had given up on me. But that night, I felt love carry me. And the, the presence of God was so real, and the Holy Spirit so much the comforter in my life that night that I began that moment when I chose life, you know, the scripture teaches us in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, choose this day life or death, blessing or cursing, so that you and your descendants may live. That one decision, now 34 years ago, when I was pregnant with my youngest, when I just decided I'm going to do this. And you know what? I had no idea if John would take one step forward with me. No idea. But I knew I could not go back to the life I knew before. I had to go on with God. And many of us try to do it on our own, and we're not making it. Many of us, you know, put on the happy face and go out and try to pretend it's all working, but it's not working. And we live in a world of hurt. And I was one of those hurting people, but that day, everything began to change. And now John was living 350 miles away, and I was at home. And, and I was beginning to read the word. I was beginning to grow and change, and God was putting our life back together. And suddenly words that I spoke to him were no longer condemning and, and ridiculing. They were words of life. And I moved up with our little family up to northern BC. Our little girl was born and we got planted in a healthy house, the church. We got involved in a, in a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group because I'm such an advocate of it. That's where we learn how to grow. And little by little, people just took us on the journey. And God began to restore and redeem what was so broken. And you know, if I was God and looking around all of the people in the world to, to say, here, I can use you to teach on marriage and family, I wouldn't have picked John and I. There was a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. But God took us from our broken place and put us on a pathway. And today we're walking out that pathway. 34 years later, now we've been married for 38 years, loving life, loving family, loving what we get to do. 
and God is so faithful, God is so good. You know, the best is always yet to come. We have family who loves Jesus. We have generations. We have grandchildren from the age of 16 down to the age of six, and they're amazing and beautiful and love God. We have a church that we've been pastoring now for 27 years that is flourishing, and we've been able to, to step out of our brokenness because I believe that whatever doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And uh, our mess became a message. And so I don't know where life finds you today, but I know that life begins with Jesus. And when we make a decision that, God, you have your way, he will give us the tools. And it's, it's been a journey. It's not like we just, like everything, just boom, it was all fixed. No, we walked our way into health. God was always there. But we are passionate. And I want to share this one scripture with you. There's so many I could share. But I remember in those early days opening up my Bible and reading the word of God. And I would underline and circle everything that related to marriage or family, to my children, to John. But I remember one, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 24. It now graces our home, and it's up there in the form of art. And it says in, in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, through skillful and godly wisdom is a life, a home, and a family built. And through understanding, it is established on a good and a sound foundation. And it talks about how through knowledge you'll all of the cham chambers of your home be filled with good and pleasant riches. That's my reality today. That is our reality today. But it took skillful and godly wisdom. Not the world's wisdom, godly wisdom. And so that's what we hope to share with you. I know you're going to love the message John's going to share with you today. And I, tonight we'll just pour out as much as we can to you. And like I said, everybody come. It's going to be a great time. But I'd love to just pray for you quickly. Just before um, John shares, I just really sense the presence of God here to just deeply go into your hearts. So God, you know every single life represented here. And God, there are some here that are hurting because of relationship. There's no pain like relationship pain. And there's no joy like relationship joy. And God, I know it begins with you. And I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just write upon every heart here right upon their heart's dreams. God, some come. I think of some young people here that may not have had the greatest example, and marriage seems a little ominous and, and, and a little scary to them. But God, would you show them a vision and a dream of what they can have? God, there may be a couple here that think it's too late to turn it around, that they've, too much water has gone under the bridge and it's too late. God, would you show them today is the perfect day to put their hand into your hand? and to allow your presence to go to work. Father, I ask for miracles today, that as we minister throughout this day, we will be astounded at the work that you were able to do because we trusted you with our lives. We know that you're faithful, and we are choosing to build on skillful and godly wisdom today. God, I ask for miracles in the house. God, I think of how th there may have been a storm that wanted to stop perhaps some of the things that could be said, but God, I pray that that there will be such an outpouring of hope and dreams and flourishing in every single life, family, and home represented here and the generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, babe. That's why um, most places I go, I'm introduced as Helen's husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great claim to fame. I'm Helen's husband. You are, whoa! 
But let me talk about relationships, and let me give you a few scriptures to start with. If you have Bibles, you can open them to Genesis 1.26. If not, it'll be on the screen. And to me, this is the bottom line of who we are and what we are and why we are, and relationships. It says, then God said, let us. Everybody say us. us. Do you know that is plural? So here's God saying, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them. Everybody say them. them. Plural again. Do you, rec you recognize all the plurals in that? Now, you know, when I first heard that, I, I, I couldn't quite put it together. I was raised Catholic. And in the Catholic Church, you were taught there's this great mystery of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, but three people. And you'll never figure it out. It's a great mystery. And, and I kind of put it on a shelf, and I'll never figure that out. But actually, I've taken it down, and I still haven't got it all figured out. But one of the great truths that come out of this is we were created in the image of plural. Plural. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, but one God. Do you know that is the picture of relationship? Individuals and yet unity. Three separate, amazing, wonderful, spectacular persons, different. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father, and yet one God. And when, like for marriage, when God puts the two together, don't lose your individuality. Don't lose who you are. You are different. You are wonderful. You are separate. But you come together and you become one in purpose, one in goal. And there's great strength in that. And he said right at the very beginning, and let them have dominion. Meaning God's plan was never one. Adam alone was never his plan. God's plan was always relationship. So why did he start with Adam? Well, maybe Adam had to figure out he needed somebody. You know, most of us guys, a little bit, do you know that men have thicker skulls? <laughs> I'm very much into the whole medical side of things, and it's true. We have thicker skulls than, than women, and sometimes it took a little bit longer. But you notice that God created Adam, and then came along one day and said, Adam, not good. And, and then what, what, what was not good? Adam was doing a lot of things out there, and yet not good because you're alone. I'm going to fix that problem. And God put him to sleep, took something out of him, and created woman. Now recognize, before God put him to sleep, Adam was the only human being that ever could stand, rightfully stand up and say, I don't need anybody. He did not need anybody. He had everything. He had all the DNA of the whole human race was in him. He had all the strengths of male and all the strengths of female. He didn't need anybody. That was the problem. That's the problem. If you walk around and you don't need anybody, you're a sad case. Because the fact is we all need somebody. And when God took something out of Adam from then on, he didn't have it all. Now something was missing and he was actually looking for it. And I think every one of us, we're looking for what's missing. And that explains why opposites attract. Do you notice, is, is anybody married in this room? Oh, mostly married, great. So how many of you that are married would say you married the opposite? Almost everybody. Opposites attract. Why? Because you're not looking for somebody who's got what you have. 
You're looking for somebody that has what you don't have because there's something missing in your life. And when you find that person, you go, wow, wow, look what you can do. You are amazing. And, and I just want to encourage you. Helen and I have a television show, and we've actually been on television for 27 years in Canada and around much of the world. Our show used to be called, and it was very famous or, or very well watched when it was called this, Pure Sex and Relationships. <laughs> Why? Well, in the TV Guide, they only got pure sex. <laughs> you know, and people would tune in and go, whoa, and they're looking for a picture show when they get grandma and grandpa. <laughs> and all we do is answer questions. And tonight, we're going to have a great time. Don't miss it. And, and, you know, invite friends along because it will be entertaining and it will be very informative. But, um, you know, when you, when you talk about, about relationships, when you talk about, you know, marriage, you find out that we are so, so different. And many of the questions that come from a world out there, on our show, I don't know how many times we've answered this question, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? Okay, marriage, you know, God's way is one person. Like, have sex with one person for their whole life? You know what the world thinks of marriage? Boring. Do you know what the world thinks of church? Boring. Why? Do you think we might sometimes look bored? I think sometimes we look bored. I think some churches, not this one, but some churches look bored. Some couples. Have you ever went to a restaurant and seen a couple sitting, having a meal, never say a word to each other? Because there's nothing to say. They're bored. And the key to, so, so they say, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? I have simple two words for you. Stay amazed. That's what caused you to fall in love. And you think you figured this person out? Huh? This person's made in the image of God. You will never get to the bottom of this person. <laughs> Especially you guys. You think you got her figured out. Think again. <laughs> See, as soon as you think you got a woman figured out, she changes. <laughs> Don't miss tonight. It's going to be fun. But it's kind of like a football player hits a ball and, and is you know, going for the goalpost. And as soon as it leaves his foot, he starts celebrating, but they move the goalposts. <laughs> if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. So stay amazed. All right. Proverbs 13.22 is my favorite scripture in the Bible. You say, how can you say that? Well, there's so many great scriptures, but this scripture to me underlines the passion of my life. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Now, most of us have heard the back part of that verse, but actually it's hooked to the front part of the verse, which to me is the powerful part. It says, a good man or a good woman leaves an inheritance to grandchildren. In other words, I, I, I read it like this. I don't know if you're a good man until I see your grandchildren. I'm going to reserve judgment until I see the generations. So far, so often we think it's about us doing great things, but no, it's about us doing great things to such a way and, and with the truth and, and, and with you know, the transparency that our children fall in love with what we're in love with such that their children fall in love. Now you're doing something great. And if you can raise your grandchildren like that, it's impossible for them to be broke. Broken. Not just financially, but in every area of their life. God's Word works. Amen. And lastly, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. 
Paul writes to Timothy, and it's a pastoral epistle, and he's teaching this young pastor of the church of Ephesus, Timothy, how do you raise up and what should you look for in, in, in great character called elders, you know? These are mature Christians. And here's the list he gives them in, cha- in, in, in chapter 3. And down to verse 4, it says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission. I love that word, submission. It's a great word. Sub means under. Mission is what has you. Not so much what you have, but what has you. When you discover why you're here and what your purpose in life, the, the, you know, the two greatest days of your life, the day you're born, the day you, f- you found out why you're born. And when you come under that mission, it's so easy for your children to come under that, for your, those around you to come under that mission. So raise your children in all submission with all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church or the house of God? In other words, Paul's saying this. He's saying, let's get it right at home before we start to to show it off up here. So he put priorities in here. He said priority is home first and then your ministry. And so often in our world today, we, we celebrate the gift in the ministry and it makes way for ministers to actually stand up here and operate in a gift but don't have it at home, the character, the bottom line. And the world out there is pretty smart. Really, they are. I mean, I've watched in our church how people will walk in brand new to the church and they'll sit and they'll, with one eye, they'll watch me. With the other eye, they'll watch Helen and my family. And they're smart enough to figure out if they don't buy into what he's saying, I'm not buying into it either. But you know, every one of us got a pulpit. Our neighborhoods, our jobs, our schools, our pulpit. And people around you are just, they're just as smart as, as, as they are. They're watching and they're saying, if this Bible doesn't work in your relationship in your home, don't preach it from your pulpit. Okay, first it's got to work at home. I really believe the bottom line for the church is strong families, strong relationships in every area of our life. That's where we learn to walk this out. And Helen and I, we've learned some things over the years. And, and what we want to do today, tonight, is just to share with you some of those things. There's no way in the world we can, we can get anywhere clear, you know, close to all the things we can say. But I just pray that some of the things will hit home and it'll be something you can use in your life. Number one, I'll give you some vital keys to great relationships, if you want a title. Vital keys to great relationships. Number one is vision. Recognize your vision controls your future. You can't have what you can't see. If you've never seen a great marriage, you can't have one. A lot of people say, I'm just get lucky, found the, just got really lucky, found the right person. No such thing. And finding the right person does not guarantee a great relationship. Why? Because you're in it. But vision is the key. Matthew 12, 33, Jesus said, make the tree good and its fruit will be good. Or else make the tree evil and its fruit will be evil. First, the tree is known by its fruit. How can you, brood of evil vipers, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. What's the treasure? What's the vision? Every single one of us is responsible. Make 
the tree good and its fruit will be good. Make the vision. Make your vision. What's your vision for your marriage, for your family, for your relationship? And the fact is most of us have what we've seen. By default, we all have a vision, but, but it's, it's, it's too bad when it's just by default. Instead, we need to actually recognize and take control, take charge, take responsibility, ownership of our vision. Let me give you two places that vision comes from. Number one, and most important, is the Word of God. The Word of God. I love, I, I love talking about the Bible in terms of the Word of God. It's the Bible. But words are paintbrushes. They paint pictures. And if you were to read the Bible and look for your spouse, you will find your spouse in there, and you will find a picture painted of your spouse in there. You'll find yourself in there. You'll find your kids in there. That's the best place to find those people's in the Word. If you go back to our testimony, Helen's 350 miles away from me, falls in love with the Word of God again, and she's just being revitalized as she finds out that God thinks of her as being this, this, this wonderful, amazing apple of his eye, princess. She's not this failure and everything. And, and then one day she has this revelation. She says, God, I know you love me, and I believe you love John too. Could you show me why? Really, because she couldn't see anything in me that was lovable at the time. But she knew that God loved me, so she started to search the Bible for her husband. And she would circle and write in the margin, John. And then as she began to, to look at that and believe that, her words, out of the abundance of her heart, her mouth speaks, her words change. And she phones me up, I'm 350 miles away, and I'm liking what I'm hearing. She's not calling me the jerk I was. She's calling me this man of God that I could be, that I should be. And they start to build this vision on the inside of me. So the first place you can build your vision is the Word of God. Let it build a vision. Every single one of us, never stop searching for yourself, for your spouse, for those people around you. Find out what God sees. The second place is the people you hang around. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Wise people, hang around wise people, be wise. Hang around the fools, be fool. Okay, who are you hanging around? Hanging around people that say, well, marriage never works. It won't work. Hang around people that are just complaining about their spouse, complaining about the, you know, men are all like, oh, men are like that. Well, that's the way you're going to have a future. Choose your future by your friends. I think that is church. That's one of the greatest reasons God invented this thing called church. And if you were to answer the question, why do you go to this church? Some people would say, well, it's close to home. Nah, not good. Some people would say, well, it's because my parents went there. Nah, not good. Why do you go here? Well, God's there. God's everywhere. Why do you go here? The bottom line should be because who goes here? Why? Because I want to be like who goes here. And it actually starts with your pastors, which we have such, had such a great time getting to know them. And I know, we, you know we're going to be friends and excited about the future together. But really look around you. You want a picture of your future? Just look around you right now. There's your future. But it starts with vision. Number two, the second vital key to building a great relationship is communication. Communication is the lifeblood of every relationship. It's what births relationships, which keeps relationships growing. And without it, relationships starve. They die. 
The lifeblood, if you think about this, this the, your, you know, your body, you've got a, a circulatory system, your heart's pumping this blood around. What's the function of it? You know what it is? It's called exchange. It functions to exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen in your lungs. In every cell, it functions to exchange nutrients for waste products. And when the heart stops, you will die. But the reason you'll die is because exchange stops. Your brain stops getting new oxygen. And many of us, we're in relationships that have died. And I, I know people that are married just for the sake of they don't believe in divorce. That's like people that are alive only because they're not dead yet. <laughs> There's a better reason to be alive, right? We actually have to have a vision and, and a purpose for the future. And communication is that exchange that goes on. And you've got to keep the heart beating. You've got to keep talking. But it's not just talk. It's about actually getting to understand. The greatest lesson I ever learned in communication happened to me, oh man, it was uh, 29 years ago now. 29 years ago, I was, I was a dentist in Williams Lake. God had got a hold of my life. I was no longer stuttering. I was filled with the Holy Ghost and talking, telling everybody about Jesus. And I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, you know. I was flying around, um, speaking at different things. And at home, I had three little girls, eight, seven, and five. And I remember one trip on the way home, I'm in an airport missing my girls, walking through a card shop, and I see this little children's card with the sunshine on it. And I just got this idea, and it's all because of the sunshine. It's my oldest daughter, her name is Angela Sunshine. And her daughter, her oldest daughter, which is our granddaughter, who's now almost 17, is Madison Sunshine. But anyway, I just love the name Sunshine. People thought, you must have been hippies. No, I just love the name Sunshine. And I would have named her first name Sunshine, but her last name is Burns, so it doesn't work. <laughs> That's honestly the truth. So we buffered it with Angela Sunshine. But I picked up this little card, I filled it out, put it on her pillow. She was so excited. It said, Dear Angela, would you please be my special date on Thursday night? Love, Daddy. And I just thought it was a good idea. Never heard of it before. I came home Thursday night, walked in the front door, and we had a staircase that went up like this, and I looked up and out stepped the queen. <laughs> Eight years old, hair perfect, a little bit of makeup on, daddy dressed with frills, and I gotta show you how she walked down the stairs, okay? Her chin was literally up like this, like this. She... <laughs> Do you know what that is? That's the wedding walk. <laughs> Every little girl, practices the wedding walk for the most important man in her world. And I was surprised it was me, really. But I, I didn't miss it. I went up, put my best black suit on, came down, took my date by the arm, opened the car door, drove to the nicest restaurant, candlelight dinner together. And then I thought, how do you talk to an eight-year-old? <laughs> I'm not making any of this up. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. I loved her with all my heart. I would have taken a bullet for her without thinking, but I had no idea what's going on in her world. She's only eight. You know, it's not really an important world yet. You know, I'm this and this and this and this. She's only eight. But, but I'm so glad that I, I got to that place because I started to stumble along and ask the question, so, so, uh, uh, what do you do at school? Uh, do you still have recess? I didn't know. You know, do you have friends? What are their names? And as she began to open up to me, 
this thing happened. You know what intimacy is? It's into me see. And I made this discovery that everybody has their own world. They don't have to let you in just because your name's daddy. But they need you. They want you to, to come in and to get to know who they are. And as I began to ask those questions and understand a few things, communication. And that's the key to communication is to understand. The key to communication is to understand. Communication actually let me in and my world so enlarged. You know what a big life is? It's not a life full of cars and houses and things. It's a life full of people. But how do you get your heart full of people? Communication. You need to get into the world. You need to walk a mile in their shoes. You need to be able to see what they see. Sometimes it's on a four-year-old level. You know, if you're talking to your four-year-old, get down on their level. Eye to eye. Begin to see from where, who they are, what they are. When you begin to give that to them, they'll give it back to you again. Sometimes we think teenagers, teenagers are, the teenagers are wonderful. They're brilliant. I love teenagers. But so often we talk down to them instead of listening. They're, they're more brilliant than most of us. Really. They know more than what you, we've forgotten already. And, and if we'll just listen to them. But it's all about communication. We're going to talk more about that tonight. Let me go on to number three. The third key is serving. Jesus said, want to be great? Serve. What a great relationship? Serve. What a great marriage? serve. <laughs> it's not that hard, really. But the, the, the thing about serve is recognize serving is meeting someone's needs. And when it comes to, especially marriage, male, female, we got a problem. And the problem is, I don't know what her needs are. And sometimes she don't know either. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The golden rule doesn't work. The golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If I do to Helen what I want her to do to me, I'm in trouble. It just doesn't work. And the fact is, I don't know what she wants. And there's a lot of women, well, if he don't know what I want, I'm not telling him. Honey, if you don't tell him, he's never going to know. And you know that, 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 that magnet that's on the fridge that says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? <laughs> it's Bible. <laughs> I think. But my answer to that is, mama, get happy. How? Let, let him know what your needs are. Understand each other's needs. They're so, so different. Isn't it wonderful how God created us different? I love watching little children. You really get to see the differences with little girls and little boys. Do you know what happens when you give a little girl um, two trucks to play with, like toy trucks? Like when my granddaughter, who's now 17, when her little brother came along, who's now 13, she, for the first time in her life, actually had boy toys, trucks. They were, his favorite thing was monster trucks. You give a girl two trucks. Do you know what they do? They talk to each other. One's a mummy truck, the other's a daddy truck, and they're going to have baby trucks. <laughs> Isn't it true? It's so different. At four years old, 100% of what comes out of a little girl's mouth are words. At four years old, 60% of what comes out of a little boy's mouth are sounds. <laughs> Their favorite sound. <laughs> 
We'll talk more about that tonight. Number four. Number four, and I want to spend a, a, a minute on this. Number four is trust. Trust is one of the most misunderstood keys to building a relationship. You can't build without trust. Okay? You can love somebody, but if you don't trust them, you can't build. And there's a lot of people that are in big pain because they love the person and they really want to build a future, but you can't build if you can't trust. Actually, if you read Malachi chapter 3, that's God's problem with us. You don't trust me, he says. And then he uses the language, he says, test me if I'll not open the windows of heaven. See, trust, the onus of trust is on the trusted. Okay? You can't trust somebody just because you want to. And when people say to me, trust me, it bothers me. It's one of my pet peeves. So I want to trust you, but it's really up to you. You have to earn it. Trust has to be earned. It's always going to be built on yesterday, on track record, on test. But trust is, here, let me, let me give you a picture. This is pretty good. I'm trusting this pulpit. I'm leaning on it. If the pulpit breaks, I hit the ground. If I hit the ground, whose fault is it? Mine, because I trusted something that wasn't trustworthy. And every one of us one day are going to stand before God and we can't have the excuse that it was my husband. Well, it's my mother, it's my father, it's whoever it is. Build your life, but you got to build it with others. You can't be human alone. God said, let us make man in our image, relationship. But we got to trust. And the best way to to help others trust is building by experience or being the example. And trusting yourself is called confidence. And we start with that place. But so many Christians get it wrong. I mean, I don't know how many times we've got to ask questions like this on our TV show where, you know, somebody will say, I messed up. I totally blew it. And my wife doesn't trust me at all. Is there any hope? The answer is yes. Yes, there's hope, but it's going to take time. It takes this long to break trust, but it takes a long time to build it again. It's kind of like the bones in your body. You can break your bones in your body, and it's very, very painful. It goes fast, snap, but it does not heal overnight. It takes time. And so what a person in that situation needs to say, and this is really important, this this wording, the language, needs to say, honey, I know you don't trust me. I've been a total idiot. If I was you, I wouldn't trust me either. But if you give me a chance, I'll earn it back. Whoa. I can't tell you how important those words are. It, it lets people take the walls down. Because people that got, have been, trust has been broken. Has anybody in here ever had someone break trust with you? It's painful, isn't it? So what do you do? Because you don't want to be hurt again. You put the wall up. And I'm not going to trust anybody. That's not smart. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. So you live your life isolated so he can pick you off. We need to build relationships, but we need to trust. So you need to take the walls down. How? By those simple words, if you give me a chance, I'll earn it back again. In other words, he's not asking you to trust him. He's just asking you to watch him. And as you watch him, he'll actually earn that back and it takes time. Now, so many mix it up because we think it's love. Well, if you love me, you'll trust me. No. I love my 12-year-old son, but I'm not going to give him the keys to the car. Why? Because I don't trust him with the keys to the car. 
Why? For his own sake, because I love him. Every one of us needs to understand that, well, if you're forgiven me, you'll love me. No. No, forgiveness and love are two different spectrums completely. Forgiveness means, means simply let go of the debt that someone owes you. It doesn't mean you jump back in the same place you were before. A lot of people say, I can't forgive. Why? Because I can't let them back in. You don't have to let them back in, but you have to forgive. Why? Because you don't have a future without forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. There's so much I could say about it, but trust is one of the the huge issues. And the last one I want to say is commitment. Commitment is the, to me, it's the connective tissue. It holds everything together in a relationship. Without commitment, you have no guarantee of tomorrow. Commitment is the safety net that says you can give it a try. If you fall, so what? I'm committed. I'm not going anywhere. That's so important, those words. In a marriage, if someone is messed up, honey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed. We have three daughters, and our middle daughter, Danica, went through about a 10-year eating disorder battle, and it was the battle of our life. And I remember when I first found out, I didn't know what to do. I thought, what a terrible dad I got to be. And uh, so I'll fix it. I'll teach her what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. It's not the answer. Most guys, I'll fix it. Wrong thing. And anyway, it went on, and I prayed for going to cast out this, and all, all this stuff, and it just got worse. Finally, I get to the end of my line, and I remember one time falling on my face, crying out before God, literally. God, I'll do anything. I'll give anything. God, just heal my little girl. And I felt God put his arms around me, not her, and said, John, everything's going to be all right. And I felt like when dad says everything's going to be all right, the weight of the world came off my shoulders. All I needed to do was trust her and trust God. And I walked out of there totally free, but I looked at Danica and she was the same. She looked like the cloud over her still. And one day she walks in the kitchen with that look not too happy, you know, kind of shameful on her face. And I said, Danica, come here. And I didn't know how, but I needed to get what was in me into her. Come here. And she, finally she comes over and I put my arms all the way around her and I just held her. And I could feel her ribs. She was so skinny. And she was thought, Dad's giving me a hug. So let him hug me. And then she goes to break loose. And I wouldn't let go. And okay, a little longer goes to break. And I wouldn't let go. She finally got it. He's not letting go. And she just broke. And I mean, I was, I was sobbing. Tears were you know, dripping off my face onto her hair. She was getting baptized in daddy's love. <laughs> and out of the abundance of my heart came these words. Danica, nothing you could ever do could make me love you more. And nothing you could ever do could make me love you less. I just plain love you. You are my princess. You'll always be my princess. And I said, when I'm 100 and you're 80, you're still going to be my princess. And I remember just holding her, feeling like a miracle was happening on the inside of her. But you know what it was? It was simply that commitment, that always and forever, that unconditional love that every child Every child is a, is a miracle full of miracles in seed form. But the soil it needs to be planted in is unconditional love. We need to learn to say those words always and forever. You know, dads, when's the last time you told your children? 
Nothing you could ever do could make me love you more. You're little girls. You're my princess. Do you know how many men, grown men, cry like babies because they never heard from their dad, I'm proud of you. I'm so glad I get to be your dad. Wow. <laughs> Commitment is the thing that connects and holds us all together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every amazing person in this room. God, I thank you for the commitment that you've given to us. Before, before we ever made a decision for you, you gave it all. You gave it all and you said nothing you could ever do could make me love you more. Nothing you could ever do could make me love you less. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that, that their relationship with you is not what it could be. Not what it should be. Lord, right now, reach down, touch their heart. I want to pray a simple prayer as I close. If you're here today and your relationship with God is not what it should be, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, sitting on the throne of your heart, where your whole life revolves around this wonderful, wonderful God that loves you forever, if your relationship is not like that, please don't leave that way. You can change it. It simply takes a choice always takes a choice. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord. I want to have a relationship with you. That's how it all starts. That's called being born again, being born into the family of God, where God becomes your father forever and ever. You, you know that you know heaven's your home. If you're here today and you're not sure about that, if there's a question mark in your heart and mind, could I pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you right where you sit, but you and only you can make the choice you're here and you say, I remember the day I prayed that prayer, but, and you know that you're not living the life you, the way you're supposed to and the way you want to live it. Jesus is not the Lord of all in your life and you need to get back to that place. It simply takes a choice. Would you say yes to God today? All over the room with your heads bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you, you'd say, include me in that prayer because I'm saying yes to God. Right now, wherever you're sitting, slip your hand up. Could I pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? What an awesome time. What a, what a moment. Thank you. Who's, if you've not slipped your hand up, but you want to, go ahead. Let go. Thank you. Let go and let God. Thank you. It's this amazing life he has for us, but it's your life. It's your choice. Will you give God his place in that life? Is there anyone else you've not slipped your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. I see hands all over the room. Wow. Great. Amazing. Amazing. One more. One more. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Yes. All right. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray this simple prayer. If you slipped your hand up, just put your heart into every one of these words. Let's talk to God together. Everyone say this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross because you love me. You've forgiven me right now. Come into my heart and be my Lord. From this moment on, I will serve you. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap, church. God bless you.
want to give a couple of those things away that I gave you. Is that okay? Can I give you? Anybody get blessed by that? My gosh. Hey, um, we're going to need tissues over here in this section. My goodness. Hey, guys, um, before you guys go, I want you to check out the booth downstairs. Um, they have resources, marriage resources.